Welcome to Modern Figures Podcast, hosted by Dr. Jeremy Waysom and Dr. Kyla McMullen, where we are elevating the voices of Black women in computing to inspire the next generation of the advanced technology workforce. This podcast exists to highlight the stories of Black women in computing, to inspire high schoolers and the young at heart, and to dispel the myths and preconceptions about Black women in computing. This podcast wouldn't be possible without our sponsors. This season is generously supported by NCWIT and CRAWP. The National Center for Women and Information Technology, or NCWIT, is a nonprofit community that convenes, equips, and unites change leader organizations to increase the influential and meaningful participation of girls and women in technology. And the Computing Research Association's Committee on Widening Participation in Computing, or CRAWP, endeavors to increase the success and participation of underrepresented groups in computing research and education at all levels. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We have another special guest today. We have Dina McKay, and she hails from Cleveland, Ohio, you know, just like Bone Thugs and Harmony. And (laughs) (laughs) she is the founder and the host of another podcast called Black Tech Unplugged. And she's also a senior scrum master at Kraft Heinz. In terms of schooling, she has her BS in information systems from Canisius College, which is a private college in Buffalo, and then her Master of Science in Information Systems Management from Loyola University, Chicago. Some other things that you might want to know about Black Tech Unplugged is that the podcast focuses on highlighting Black people who innovate and work in the tech industry. Uh, Dina started Black Tech Unplugged as a way for us to see people who look like us in the tech industry. And she also wanted to share some tips and tricks and some advice for those of us um, who might be interested in parlaying our experiences into the tech world. That's actually kind of how we ended up meeting Dina. Uh, We actually heard her during a live recording session, which is a dream of ours, more mm-hmm. to come. And um, <laughs> we were just like, she's so cool, we gotta connect. And somehow she chose me to interview. I still don't know how that happened, <laughs> how she interviewed me and not Kyla, but that's another story for another day. Um, she is a public speaker, a trainer, a major foodie, and She's up in the Chicago area now, so she's around all the foods. So, oh yeah, uh, let's jump into this interview. Yay. Let's do Hi, it. Dina. Hi, Hello. Dina. Hello, happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're happy excited. to have you. Yes. Like, I feel like the listeners miss a whole lot of funny conversation in the moments before we start <laughs> recording. So, I already know we've been laughing before we got on. So, I already know it's gonna be a good show. <laughs> no, you got behind the scenes. I missed it. Man, just you know, just chatting people be late. people in. We're not gonna date the podcast, but we are around a holiday <laughs> right now and yeah. people are working like it ain't no holiday going on. And where they do that mm-hmm. at? <laughs> Apparently all over the United States. Right. <laughs> Listen. East Coast and Midwest at least. True. Very yes. true. I'm like, I don't know anyone but, who's on the West Coast. That's well, that I has do. reported. And I bad. know they're working. 
Yeah. Oh, well, maybe they enjoy that part. <laughs> I guess. But, uh, Dina, we want to hear so much about um, your role as a scrum master as well as Black Tech Unplugged. But before we get there, we want to just know how you got into the tech business or how you just got interested in being in tech. Like, you know, growing up in Cleveland, you know, did you have any influences or, you know, people who pushed you in that direction? So growing up, I didn't really know tech was a thing. Like I didn't know, hey, go make tech your career. And <laughs> so to give you a little background, when I initially went to college, you know, I thought I was going to be an athletic trainer. Yes, my little five foot five, like small <laughs> self thought I was going to be athletically training all these like big athletes. And then I went through the first semester of college and I had to tape somebody's ashy foot. And I was like, you know what? This is not for me. Like, <laughs> it was the ash for you. It was the mm-hmm. ash. Wait, was it mm-hmm. the foot itself or? <laughs> I, I think it was the ash. It was no, the whole experience. It's just, it was, a, it was an experience I never knew. I, I, I knew after I had it that I never wanted it again. so I was just like you know what I'm not gonna be touching like these people that I don't know like that I'm not gonna be touching they like body parts so what else can I do because this is not for me like no this is a no for me hilarious and and that didn't dawn on you before you jumped into the role into this no I don't know what I was thinking I was like so growing up I was like a three-sport athlete so I was like I wanted to do something athletically inclined so I'm thinking mm-hmm. like that way instead of like what is a real career because why would I think mm. with like, you know, common sense, I was just trying to do what I was doing. Like I was 18, <laughs> you know, you're just doing whatever. You're trying everything, right? Right. And so, mm-hmm. but when I was in high school, so I went to an all-girls Catholic school. When I was in high oh, school, wow. there was a nun who taught like computer classes. And she would always be like, you know, you're really good at this. And I'm like, okay, girl. Like, hey, Sister Ann. Like, yeah, okay, girl. <laughs> Thank you, Sister like, Mary Computer Science. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> so she would make me take all these computer classes. And most of the time, to be honest, I was the only person in the class because no one else was doing this. Like, no one else was doing tech stuff. And I never really saw it as a career. But she was having me do all this stuff, like, like I said, I'm the only one in the class. So obviously she's doing this class for me, so to speak. Wow. And so after I get through the ashy foot, I'm like, okay, where do I go next? Because <laughs> this ain't it. And my family kept saying like, well, you know, you've always been like into the latest tech gadgets Ooh. and the technology. Why don't you look for something there? And I'm like, okay. So, but like, what does that mean? Like, I don't want to be a programmer. I just felt like, programming and looking at code all day wasn't for me like I still like to talk to people I still like to like you know be involved but like not be programmer involved and so someone recommended information systems which is like computers and business so with that major I got to take some programming classes so now I can say like especially when you're working with people and you're like what's taking you so long you can kind of gauge like yo you really just playing around versus like oh you're (laughs) actually doing some work but then I got the business side. So how to manage people, how to manage mm-hmm. something if you want to be an entrepreneur. And so that was like the sweet spot for me of like business, computers, and like the world became my oyster after that. 
But to be honest, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just experimenting like everyone else. But I was lucky I had the space and the Mm -hmm. opportunity and the time to experiment. That's really cool. So, but I'm glad that, you know. not be around any more ashy feet. No more ashy feet. No, because I can, like, I could still picture that, like, just telling that story, I could picture that foot. Like, I have that picture in my mind, and I'm just like, oh, I can't believe I had to do this. And they're just like, oh, wrap their. They're like, wrap this ankle. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. I'm like, and it was like me and another person. I was like, you do it first. Like get Mm-mm. that get that warmed up for me, and then I'll right. Come like I'll wrap out. it after you wrapped it, and then. Mm-hmm. Yes. My goodness! Oh my goodness! <laughs> but I'm glad that your family, you know, knew that much about you to be like, you know what, that didn't work out. But remember this other interest that you have versus you having to, you know, start at the drawing board and try to figure out what in the world you know you were interested in. Yeah, and what's so interesting what is they never were in tech. Like, my mom did, like, and it's sad because I should know, like, kind of what she used to do. Like, she worked with mortgages and, like, selling houses and, like, the real estate part. I wasn't into that either. They tried that. I wasn't. That wasn't <laughs> for me. And then my aunt was doing, like, something similar. And my grandma worked in, like, she did eyeglasses for her whole career, And I'm like, and then there's me who's in tech. They had no idea, like, really what tech was. Like, they have more of an inkling now because I'm in it, but it's not like they saw someone do it. So it's not like I was following in someone's footsteps. They were kind of like, we know you like this thing. Let's help you kind of navigate and get there. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. I was going to ask something, but my brain completely blanked out. So anyways... I think it's really interesting that you ended up at like a, oh, that's what it was, at a small private college um, in Buffalo. Right. Like what, what led to that? That was a journey in itself. Um, to be honest, <laughs> I don't remember like how I found out about the college. I'm going to probably go out on a limb and say they recruited me type of situation, but originally I wanted to stay in Ohio. I wanted to go to Cincinnati and Xavier or Xavier in Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm -hmm. I was like adamant. I really want to go here. And then as I'm getting my acceptance letters, so I was accepted into at Xavier, but it was basically came down to the money. So at Canisius, it was like, we Mm -hmm. are giving you, there was a great program for minority students when I was there. They gave you a book stipend every quarter so that you would have money for your books. They gave you a scholarship and all you had to do was keep a certain GPA. And I was like, my mom was like, that's where you're going. Like, I don't know if you (laughs) think you're going to this other school because you basically don't have to pay anything here. That's where you're going to go. But it all was just like happenstance. They were sending, you know, you get flat. Well, back in the day, you used to get flyers and pamphlets, booklets, whatever you call them. And they would mm-hmm. just start it randomly sending it to me. And also when I was, when it was time for college, there was more like colleges would visit your actual high school. And so I yeah, think they like yeah. came to the high school and was like, they were trying to recruit more people out of Ohio. Mm-hmm. But all so that they was like, happening. We need to find these folks. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the support was there too. So did you, were you part of any like clubs around tech or any like project teams or anything like that? So 
in undergrad, going into it, I didn't realize, I didn't know everything I know today. Let me put it that way. So everything that I yell at my listeners on the podcast of like making the connections, building that network, I wasn't doing that. So I wasn't a part (laughs) of any of the organizations. But also, to be honest, when I was in my classes, I was the only person that looked like me in a lot of these classes. So I didn't have someone to say like, hey, you guys want to even be like a study group or like you want to hang out and learn cool tech stuff. I didn't have that. So it was basically, I was kind of on this island alone, unless I made friends who didn't look like me, which I did, within my major. So it was harder for me, and I don't recall there being many groups of, like, people who actually wanted to talk tech. I think at that time, at least where I went to undergrad, it was like, you were a nerd or a geek if you wanted to do that. And everyone was still running from that title and that label, so it was like oh, okay, so I guess we won't talk about it. Jeez. There's, like, literally, like, two people who have come on this podcast and said they were not a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) So. But what is the negative connotation around nerd? It's, I didn't say anything was negative about it. I'm just saying that, you know, that's just, yeah, they didn't, those two people, three people, just, did not associate with that term. Right. Everyone else did. Everybody though. else was like, yes. Yes. They I were like, am. yeah, I'm a nerd. I'm a proud nerd. Right. I'm a blurred. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. Okay. So you went to college. You had a good time. You got out, even though you were sort of isolated. You got your degree. So then you made the decision to go to graduate school. Mm-hmm. So what what was going on there? So at Did you want to be even more isolated? (laughs) (laughs) So I just needed a little bit more time to figure out what I actually wanted to do in tech, because as we know, there's so many careers. And also during that time, the economy wasn't looking so hot. So it was like, okay, I can continue my education and go to grad school and, you know, see what happens. Like what I might learn more, which for me, grad school is the best thing because I did learn a ton more. I got to learn more to what my niche is. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, might mm-hmm. as well apply. Got in at Loyola, Chicago. And best two years of my life to learn things. But I will admit, I was still isolated. <laughs> I don't think there mm-hmm. was... Even in Chicago? Not is- Well, isolated in my program. There was, no, again, no other person okay. that looked mm-hmm. like me. But I made a ton of friends just like... Because, again, that business part comes into play. There were a lot more people that looked like us in the business department. So I did get to meet and connect with really wonderful people at the department. And plus the teachers at Loyola were very, very good. That's cool. That's awesome. Did you do any research along with your master's or is it purely course? Um, So how, how would you define research? And the reason that I asked the question that way is, so uh-huh. I did a lot of different internships when I was at grad school, which for me was research mm-hmm. because that helped me narrow down. I mean, that counts. Listen, I learned a lot. I did everything from like a quality assurance um, analyst. So basically doing QA work. Mm-hmm. I did business analyst. I did, uh, what was the other one that I did? Um business analyst and there was another one so I got oh application developer yes I was an application developer intern Mm -hmm. like 
nowhere near that these days. But um, it helped me understand <laughs> the responsibilities and characteristics you need for each role and then also decide for myself, do I actually want to do this? So technically, I did research. Mm-hmm. It was just a little bit more hands-on. Got it. No, that's good because yeah. it helps you to figure out what your interest area yes. is. Yes, yes. I think it's funny that that like Kyla's asking this question because we're like super excited about people who want to do research, but it's really not common right. that people actually mm-hmm. do it, especially with a master's degree program, right? Like it's more common that you just pursue more coursework and get like that deeper level knowledge mm-hmm. in your discipline, which is not really offered to you as an undergraduate student. Like I feel like undergrad is just like, let's check these these boxes right. and make sure they have like surface level mm-hmm. knowledge like these are the fundamentals about the field yeah yeah fundamentals yeah that's a good word for it. i definitely agree with that it's definitely fundament it's fun well let me add a caveat it's fundamental unless you as a person are curious and you dive deeper so undergrad is mm-hmm. all like they yeah. give you the like here's the little basics now if you want to do something with that that's up to you and in undergrad yeah. most of the time you're like no i'm good with this <laughs> Then you go on, right? Right. It's like, <laughs> this is enough. I have four other classes. I can only handle this. Right. Because if from... Yeah, I think that's a good point, Dina. Because you can take, like, as an undergraduate student, you can actually enroll in graduate level courses at the mm, end. Right? Yeah. Like, if you've got prerequisites yes. done, if you really wanted to dive deeper, you technically could. But it's not a requirement. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like dual enrollment. as Right, a exactly. Basically. Yeah. Mm. Yep, yep, yep. Mm. So you finished grad school and you said, I have narrowed down exactly what I want to do in life. And... <laughs> Hi, <laughs> you yeah. like, absolutely not. I, I mean, for the moment. <laughs> <And> you had... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm saying that a little sarcastically, but, uh, you know, tell us about like your, your path to becoming a scrum master. Yeah. So after graduate Mm. school, I went into consulting, which was fine Mm. because, you know, you're like, it was like I was young and learning things. And with consulting, it's like you're drinking from a fire hose, right? Like all of this information is coming. (laughs) Yes. You're, but it's like when you're new to, the world of working and then you're kind of thrown in consulting like you are literally thrown into the deep end and it's like sink or swim and with consulting Mm -hmm. I was doing basically work as like well actually so my QA role came into play because as a consultant if you if people don't know you are literally thrown into any and everything literally you could be a project manager one day and then the next day they need you to be doing QA stuff and then the following week they might need you to look at some code like you are literally thrown into anything (laughs) because they've paid these companies to do certain work and like you have to fill in whatever hat you can get and so went into consulting Mm -hmm. started off actually on my first project doing a QA role which is like I was like I wasn't really signed up for this but okay but can you explain to our listeners who don't know what QA oh, yes. is? Just a brief, you know. Yes, I know. I've said that a couple of times. So QA is quality, assur- quality assurance analyst or quality assurance. So basically think of like when you create a product, 
you have to make sure that it meets certain standards. So QA is basically from a software development perspective is I'm making sure that the system works the way that we said it was going to work. So it's a lot of test cases. And as a QA, you would have to write the test cases. So you would say, this is what I want to happen. Like when I do a certain action within the system and then the expected result is this. And so I was making sure that everything works. Now, sometimes when you do a QA role, it could be five things. Maybe it's a small program. Usually when you are QA and it's a software that you're developing, it's like hundreds of steps. So think hundreds of test cases that you're writing. Then another hundreds of expected results that you're writing. Plus, you actually have to go back and test it and make sure it works along with someone else. And also keep in mind, any bugs that come up, you have to go back to the team and like let them know and also kind of like guide them to fix that functionality. So that's what I was doing at, from a consulting role perspective. So is that is load testing also in that? Uh... Yes. So load testing is also in that. So I didn't have to do that part. So I never had to do any of the automated pieces of QA. My, I was always okay. focused on the functionality of like making sure that the software functioned in that way. So basically everything I was doing was more mm. on the manual side. But now there's a lot Got of it. like, please, if you're going to go into QA, look into the automated side. <laughs> and like you said, do the load <laughs> testing, make sure that you know all of that good stuff because that's yeah. what people are more so doing, especially as technology is advancing. Right. I had an internship where I was on a team where we did uh, the load oh. testing part, and I was like, wow, I get to break the computer <laughs> and talk about how it breaks. Like, but that's like, <laughs> was I was going to say that's the fun in it is like, let me see if I can make this not work yeah. how it's supposed to. Because if you find that one spot, you're like the hero of the team. Yep. You're like, they're like, oh, exactly. okay, because this could have been a vulnerability, and all of a sudden we would have been hacked. Exactly, exactly. I was just about to say, whenever, like, I think, thought of Ooh. hackathons before, like, this is what I thought mm-hmm. about, right? Like, not like, oh, there's a problem and we want to solve it. It was more like, how do I break into this yeah. or break this, right? You know what? Now um, that you bring that up, like I'm like, real, like, if we really want I'm like, hackathons, yeah, they were misusing that term a bit. <laughs> They're yes. backwards. Yeah. yeah. Backwards. <laughs> like, break the thing. Right, right. Yeah. But to just, like, high level go through my journey starting consulting I did that for Mm -hmm. like for about four years out of college then I went and did like a like a fintech job so I did that for four and a half years and I was doing enterprise architecture so what that means is I basically was keeping track of every single application software and anything that people built within the company, I was keeping track of all that information in one system. And I was also, so my team would also be collaborating in different ways, but I was the person who owned this system that kept track of all that information. I was like, I don't know how y'all got me here, but you know, this is different because I never saw enterprise architecture (laughs) as something where my career path went. I always liked being on the functional side. So after I did that, I had a chance while I was doing enterprise architecture to do the project management of a project. We were switching my current system 
to a new system. And they were like, well, we need someone to lead this project. So I volunteered. I was like, I'll do it. And so that's when I started getting more back into the project management and scrum master side of things. So I, that project was very hard for me. That was one of the, that was a time period where I was, I learned a lot about how to work in corporate. I'll put it that way. And we can come back and elaborate on that. But that's (laughs) when I like finally got back into project management and then I start, I was like, okay, the Agile and Scrum is becoming a thing. I'm going to get certified. So one of my homegirls was teaching a class, and they were like, come to this training class. You'll get certified after. So I did, and then after that, I was just like, I'm going to do the Scrum Master thing. Like, I like this. I like Agile. Why would I give Mm -hmm. this up? And I've been doing it ever since. So wait, what is Agile? (laughs) What is Scrum (laughs) for our So let's start with agile because everyone thinks agile is just tech. It does not have to be just tech, but agile is just a methodology or a process of basically you're working on things in iteration. And so you still have a plan. So similar to what in tech we call waterfall In waterfall, you would plan everything out, all your requirements, have a document and work on everything all at one time. And then, so you would be going from one stage to the next. So write all your requirements. Okay, we sign off on those. Next thing, we're going to build everything. Okay, we're going to sign off on those. And then you're going to test. Agile, completely different. Each sprint, so a sprint is two weeks. Each Mm -hmm. sprint, you agree to build, you basically have requirements for a sprint. You build that. You show it and show, like, have QA during that sprint at the end of the sprint. And then you build on. So you're building in iterations. A lot different than mm-hmm. Waterfall. And I will say a lot better because... Waterfall's the worst. Ooh, pretty much. Because, like, you're waiting all the way to the end to get some feedback. What if people don't like right. your stuff? And it assumes that everything's perfect. <laughs> right. And it assumes that everything is perfect and we, from the beginning to the end. And you'll never need to revisit your requirements. Or you never need to revisit your design. You know? And that's just not life. Just I think down. we all know at this point of life, perfect, perfect is not real. Like, perfection does not exist. Right. So imagine, I can't imagine, like, I've done Mm -hmm. some waterfall projects, but if it was, like, a huge project, waterfall just does not work anymore. You need agile. It makes no sense. Because you get to the end, and you don't even know if the person is, I mean, agile is very much like, you know, fail fast. Yes, yes. (laughs) Fail often. It's like, figure out what's not working quickly versus you get all the way to the end and show the person they're like well I didn't ask for this what is this exactly (laughs) and so that's why I love agile like everything is I know people hate the uh, term fast pace but agile is a faster pace because it's two weeks but you're getting feedback all the time you're in a constant feedback loop people need that constant feedback loop and so that's why I really appreciate agile And with being a scrum master, so a lot of people think a scrum master is like a project manager who, you know, make sure that you do all the work within this, within that two week sprint. Not exactly what we do. So the first thing as a scrum master, the most important thing is that you're actually adhering to agile principles. And so making sure that the team Mm -hmm. is actually following through on what you're supposed to do from an agile perspective, having ceremonies, all that kind of thing. Now we still are... Not the ceremonies. Oh, the ceremonies. The power of the black people. <laughs> 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 
not the Black Panther boobs. <laughs> Did you just watch that? Is that where that came from? No. I had sugar oh. at lunch today. So. <laughs> now I forgot the question. Okay, the question wow. was what? Okay. <laughs> What's a ceremony? I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Kyla may be somewhere else. She's in I'm Wakanda here. right now. I am here. But <laughs> I'm still here. I've never heard of the ceremonies part. Okay, we got disconnected because Kyla ceremonially kicked her out. Really? <laughs> Talk about ceremonies. Don't do me. Look, it's not my fault that you were over here asking all the questions about being a scrum master and somehow took a trip to Wakanda, like in your mind and your imaginary but space. Now we're back but, anyways. Yes, we are back. We are back. Okay, so the question was, what is a ceremony? Okay, so a ceremony, think of it as at certain parts of the sprint, you have to have specific meetings. And so those meetings are what is referred to as a ceremony. So for instance, on the daily, you always have to have a daily stand-up. So every day you check in, it should only be 15 minutes. This is not like a rundown of what you did yesterday, but more so an idea of, okay, you're working on this particular item. How long is it going to actually take for you to complete it? And so mm-hmm. you have several ceremonies. There's the daily standup. There's something called backlog refinement. That's when you look at the stories for the next sprint and make sure that they're prepared. So when you do actually kick off the next sprint, you're not like, I don't what I'm doing that's what the backlog refinement is for so preparation um you also have a demo so after every two weeks you do a demo for your main stakeholders to get that feedback are you going in the right direction are you going in the wrong direction do they have some suggestions all that's talked about in the demo you also have sprint planning that's at the beginning between the end of the last sprint and the beginning of the new one it's usually the start of the new one In sprint planning, you basically just say, hey, here's what we're working on for the next sprint. These are the stories that we're going to do. Here's how long each of these stories are going to take. And we have everything Mm -hmm. we need in order to be successful. And so those are the main ceremonies. I feel like I'm missing one, but basically you have these same repetitive meetings that you have every within a two week time span. And so that's what ceremonies are. Mm -hmm. So sprint planning, daily stand up like a sprint review and like a retro mm-hmm. retrospect. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yes. I yeah. can't forget a retrospective. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody's got to talk about like what they liked and some highlights. You know, you got to also talk about what you didn't like mm-hmm. a little bit, but in a respectful okay. way. Cool. Interesting. So Kyla, no, not, <laughs> not, <laughs> Not you ingested a, an herb and fight me. I mean, that could be one one day. That could be a sprint one day. I'm just saying. Don't put a box oh, the capabilities. So that became what you are like excited about, interested in, what you come yes. to work for every day. What types of like projects do, do you use this on? So like I said, you don't have to just use this with tech. Like, you could use it for like you all doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. You could have 
so sprints don't have to be two weeks, but you oh, could say no. like, let's say if you did like, we ain't having no deadly stand up meeting. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you that now. <laughs> but that's the whole point of being agile. Mm-mm. Is like, it's literally flexible or agile. You don't have to do these daily stand ups every every day. It depends on your team, and so mm-hmm. maybe you do okay. a daily stand up like once a week, and then let's say maybe that. A text. <laughs> okay, it could be a text because like okay, like for instance. During okay. the holidays, you think my team want to meet up every day? Sometimes we're flexible and we're like, okay, That's true. No. Um, send your message in like teams and, you know, then we'll know your progress there. So you have to be flexible because mm-hmm. it's agile. So be agile. <laughs> um, but you I can, like like you can literally use it for anything. Like I've seen people use agile to like fix their lives. Like, yes, I am. I, you can use agile and like do these things. So literally for anything now to get more specific Jeremy to your question for me what I have done for projects like I'm trying to think of something that's been really unique um we've used it for like some a lot of times especially from a consulting perspective I've used it just to like teach a consulting team how to build their product like anything they want to build and I've done it for Mm. one that was really interesting was with um oh it was a company that uses solar panels and they wanted to like be the mm-hmm. best solar panel company ever. And so like using that to like <laughs> adjust how they're going to do their marketing stream and like get new clients and putting that process in for them and also teaching them and coaching them so that they could use agile in a more efficient manner. So, and also to actually get things done because without agile, they didn't really know, like they didn't have a process. So that helped them have a process. Mm. So you can literally use it whenever. I see. I like this. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out how to Kyla fix your was... life with Agile. I don't even understand how okay. that works. Well, okay. Wait, wait, wait. I have it. I have uh-huh. thoughts. So you you mentioned Kyla that there's a one of our colleagues that uses something similar in their lab group yeah. meetings, and like I could see I could see adopting some of these things to just like weekly check in really fast lightning talk style like you got two minutes tell me what's going on with your project that's basically my lab group meeting what went well what went poorly what are you going to do to address it and or you know what are you going to do next yeah right and then like everybody has that process and then they can talk about like in more depth like some of the details of their project yeah that could be really cool to see that's literally my lab group meeting it's like what did you do (laughs) <laughs> what didn't work we gotta hire think? dina as the consultant for my lab group listen i do consulting <laughs> on the side still she could come in and teach us well and, yeah and just like caveat a little bit so with like daily stand-up like you were saying those questions whenever i'm teaching someone like teaching a team or a group how to use it for daily stand-up there's like three basic questions you start with to get people in the right mindset Ooh, and it's like tell um, us what did you do yesterday for the work that you, you know, you haven't completed? What are you going to do today? And then are there any blockers or do you need help with the work that you're doing so that we can get you to the finish line? Because a lot of this work that you have slated Mm. for two weeks shouldn't really take you like one thing shouldn't take you through the two weeks. You should be doing a lot (laughs) of stuff. And so you want to make sure you're like pushing Mm -hmm. people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's probably where the whole sprint plan 
is like really Im- imperative that you do a good job of yeah. the planning piece exactly first. and for the manager so you're not overwhelmed it helps you to know like what are people belaboring that don't doesn't need to be belabored it's like okay you're gonna you need a week mm. to do this one thing that actually we already have code for and you can just press a button <laughs> or like you know there's random stuff like because i actually have that format from my lab group meetings so i'm like these are the only questions i'm interested in what you do last week what you're about to do what do you need to help you you know get through whatever you're getting through mm. and then there'll be like these times look at me learning stuff on the podcast y'all this is helpful (laughs) this is really helpful okay i'm gonna take you one step further too that will be a little bit helpful just based on i think what you both said so when you're doing sprint planning each story that people are working on has a certain amount of points so let's say it's like let's say something is two points those points usually Mm -hmm. represent the amount of effort so if you have a two-point story and someone's taking seven days, you're like, hold up, wait a minute, like, what's going on? Like, you out, of, you are out of the <laughs> timeline, like, you are out of the time box. You said this was going to yeah. take, like, three days, and we on day seven. So it's like, that way you can keep people in check, too, which I appreciate. And it's, but it's like a nice way of checking. You don't have to tell someone, like, right. hey, like, bro, right. you ain't really doing this work. You could just be like, hey, I noticed you're a little behind. Right. This isn't like, checking yourself before you, you wreck yourself. Like, this is... What right. resources can I help <laughs> you get to get this going quicker? Exactly. So I do like that aspect too. Hmm. I like it. I like it a lot. Hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And so for this, you didn't get your master's unless you went through some type of certification, right? So for Scrum Master, there's a couple different ways you can get in. And the reason I say it like that is because, so for me, what I did, I did SAFE Scrum Master. That's the certification I started with. But Mm -hmm. SAFE is a particular methodology. Now, not to scare anyone, it's not that much different than everything else that's going on, but it's just, they've deemed themselves the separate methodology there's a couple like minor differences, but that's how I got in. But if you're looking to become a scrum master, look at to the CSM, which is certified scrum master. And that is offered by two different companies. So you could do your CSM or your PSM caveat, because before people run out and go take mm-hmm. these classes, PSM is a little bit harder than the CSM. <laughs> CSM is through scrum Alliance. PSM is going to be a little bit harder. I forget which. um, I have a a CSM as well, but PSM is through another organization, scrum.org. That's going to be a little bit more difficult. And so those are two that I recommend. But also as a scrum master, I recommend you get PO certified. So that's product owner, scrum Mm -hmm. master, and product owner work hand in hand together. And I can go into more detail about how they work hand in hand. But you, you want to know what your right hand is doing, so why not get certified and also, you know, kind of be an expert on that as well. Tell us more. Tell us about the product owner. Yes. So the product owner is literally like the scrum master is the product owner's right hand. Product mm-hmm. owner is the person that's driving everything. They're gathering requirements. They're making sure that you know what you're working on next, all of that good stuff. And so the product owner is basically feeding the requirements to the team, making sure that when the team does complete a story, that that story is basically up to standard. So they're saying, okay, actually, you've done all this work. We can move this to done. 
So the product owner is like leading mm-hmm. the charge. They're basically the team lead. Think of it that way. And the scrum mm-hmm. master is supporting them. Making sure that you're actually running the ceremonies properly, that you're like staying within the time box. And to be honest, at each company is different. So where you go, how mm-hmm. much responsibility the scrum master versus the product owner has will be different. And I've experienced that from my consulting side to now being back in-house tech. That's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. You know, so, go ahead, Jeremy. No, I was going to say, it's like almost no. like the scrum master is like the operations person, but like the PO is like the executive, like, I own this thing. I need to make sure it's correct. And the scrum master is like, yes. I am the make sure, uh, make sure of the processes person. <laughs> Right. I almost, I know this is bad to say, but this is what I say. The scrum master is like the babysitter. They're like, is everyone okay? Are we knowing how to do these things? Are we doing it properly? Do you have agile questions? Right. And then the product owner is like, is this done or not? Right. (laughs) You're done or not. I need to make sure that we hit our deadline. Is this done? So it's like a different, Mm. they're both have leadership qualities, but it's two different types of leadership. Yeah, that makes sense. Very, very interesting. But you can't really do one without the other because usually a product owner, while they have a lot of knowledge technically, they can give you all the requirements. They are making sure the team has deadlines and, you know, has a roadmap. A product owner does not always have the agile knowledge. Right. So, Dina, you... um you've done a lot with your podcast. Like, are there any fun opportunities that have, you know, been open to you because of your podcast? Two things that have been like the fun or more opportunities that have come were just like public speaking. So getting to speak about all the things I like, like building teams and scrum and agile. So I really enjoy that because that's what I'm passionate about. And then also I think one of my, I'll say it this way, the, one of my favorite moments from doing the podcast so far was when I did a live podcast. Ooh, that was back before the pandemic, but it was so much fun. And it was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And just being able to actually see the people who listen to the podcast, because, you know, you interact with people online all day. But to see them and, like, put a name to a, like, face mm-hmm. and name together is, like, if it feels different. Like it feels like a little bit more rewarding. So definitely can't wait to get back out and start mm-hmm. connecting with the people who listen to the podcast and continuing to make that effort, not effort. What word am I looking for to make those connections? Because we all need each other in the tech space. Yeah. We're working on, we're working on a live recording situation. Well, if you ever need help, I can, I can help you on that. Exciting. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah we will definitely get, be asking you because i'm like flew down. <laughs> about to choreograph a dance uh, jerry about to sing we're gonna I figure out gonna something to keep people, people. <laughs> they are not ready for that i don't know have you do you all watch housewives at all mm-hmm. oh yeah i saw the reasonably shady uh yeah yeah so please, trying to be just, like this no, please. So call for no. help. I will be more than happy to help you. <laughs> we will definitely ask That's you offline because uh, we are not. I trying think to be what's that. good, it, like it was, about like Kyla and I working together, is like we've done so much together at this point. Like from planning conferences yeah. with like mm-hmm. four hundred plus people to like 
small group meetings, um, traveling. Like we've, yeah, we're actually like we've coworkers and friends. So <laughs> we've done a lot of the things yes. together that I think lend <laughs> itself to us like planning events. Um, yeah. yeah, currently planning a ski trip. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah! Oh, Good to be snowboarding okay. for a little bit. That is true. You gotta have the fun planning with the business, is... you know. <laughs> oh, for sure. But planning, the planning part, <laughs> it, it can take you out sometimes if you're not careful. So yeah, always have the balance. Absolutely. So Dina, where can people listen to the podcast, and also where can they just find out more about you on social media? Yeah. So podcast, you could go to blacktechunplugged.com. Also there, you can find all the social media links, but I, Black Tech Unplugged, the podcast itself is on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. So you can follow on all those platforms. And then to actually listen to the podcast itself, besides going to blacktechunplugged.com, any podcast platform, Spotify, SoundCloud, all that, you find all everything there. For me, I'm on Instagram is most likely the best place to go. And that's Dina underscore McKay. And then also Twitter, same thing, Dina underscore McKay. So, yeah, you can follow me there. Awesome. Thank you so much for for having us on. And just as a quick teaser, we're going to be on her podcast. So, you know, you just you heard all of the ways to listen. So go ahead and hear us over there. Yes, yes. We call it crossover season. So yes, it's about it time that we did a crossover. <laughs> yes. Yay. Thank you so much, Dina, for f- helping us figure all of this out. It's been really interesting, <laughs> this whole process. But I'm glad that we were able to get you on today. Yes, me too. Happy to be here. And if anyone has questions about Agile Scrum, hit me up. I'm more than happy to help at all times. As always, you can find us on our website, modernfigurespodcast.com. Send your questions to ask us at modernfigurespodcast.com. And follow us on Twitter. Kyla is at Dr. Underscore Kyla, and I am at Jeremy Waysom. Visit modernfiguresinc.com to learn more about our nonprofit organization aimed at promoting and engaging with women and girls interested in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and of course, computing. Until next time, stay moisturized, hydrated, mind your business, and protect your peace.